Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. This is Mike McBeardo McPadden, author of Heavy Metal Movies, and you're listening to Talking Metal. That was a UFO beaming back at you. Me and Eric Eisner were down in Mexico two weeks ago. We seen 40 of them flying in formation. They, 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 they have got bases all over the world now, you know. They've been coming here ever since 1946, when the scientists first started bouncing radar beams off of the moon. And they have been living and working among us in vast quantities ever since. The government knows all about them. Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. John Astronomy here with Mark Striegel, and this episode features an interview all about heavy metal-related movies. Yeah, I am doing an interview today with Mike McPatton, also known as McBeardo. He worked at the site Mr. Skin for a very long time. And he's he just a porn site. No, I'm kidding. No, just not kidding. really. I, I mean, it's like it's a site that I think catalogs nude scenes in not not only porn, but like X, R-rated movies oh, and, and stuff like that. I yeah, it's, yeah, I, it's, I would kidding. say it's not a porn site. It's a it's a site that catalogs nudity, male and female, from what I remember. Um, Again, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I know uh, Howard Stern would talk a lot about Mr. Skin and have the guys from Mr. Uh, Skin on through the years. Very good. So uh, on that note, Mike McPatton is here to talk about heavy metal movies. Now, real quick, John, this includes this book that he has out, appropriately titled Heavy Metal Movies. It not only would cover a movie like Kiss Meets the Phantom, but it would cover like – 
Live After Death by Iron Maiden. It oh. would cover The Wicker Man from 1973 with uh, Christopher Lee. And I'll tell you why. Just because that movie has kind of a feel that could be related to heavy metal. Not to mention that Iron Maiden wrote a song. Bruce Dickinson wrote another song. He actually has two songs about the Wick, that movie. The Wicker Man, he has uh, one on his uh, solo uh, al- album, the best, the best of Bruce Dickinson. It's on that one. And then it has, you know, like reform school girls would be categorized as a heavy Featuring metal movie. Williams. Yeah. It just goes on and on. There's hundreds of, and this is, this book is so much fun. The, the gate from 1987 is a heavy metal movie. Um, I'm just flipping through it randomly. Let's see. Um, a man called horse from 1970 is a heavy metal movie. And, you know, a lot of times it's horror images. It's it's stuff that somehow would relate and fall into the heavy metal world, if you would. Even Return of the Jedi is reviewed wow. in this book. Uh, I'm going to name a couple of my favorite heavy metal-related movies, and these might be the obvious ones. Trick or Treat featuring yes, Gene yes, Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne. Here's one. And Skippy Remedy. from Family Ties. Is yeah, the, Skippy. The Skippy, role. yeah. Remedy, which was a movie that featured some of the actors from The Sopranos, and also the one and only Ace Frehley as right. Johnny, a drug dealer. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a cool movie. Yeah, and we talk about Gene Simmons' acting skills, but I was thinking about it, and let's see, like Ace has done acting. Peter, of course, was in that HBO. Oz. Uh, Peter Chris was in Oz, and Paul Stanley has done. I don't know if he's done movies, but he's done stuff on on the stage for sure. You know, Broadway yeah, style yeah. stuff. Bye. Oh, that's my son. <laughs> hey, how you doing? You want to say something, Harrison? Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Okay. Can you hey. be quiet while I finish the show? Thank you. Hi, Harrison. Yeah. So on that note, uh, it threw me off a little bit, but let's get into some heavy metal movie. Stop. Stop. Let's get into some heavy metal movie related music. This is the one and only Wendy O. Williams with the song Reform School Girls, which, again, is written up in Heavy Metal Movies, the book by Mike McPadden. You can read the review. I was actually considering reading the, the review on the show today, but if you go to uh, just buy the book, go to 399, that's the page, and you can read Mike's review or write-up on Reform School Girls, the movie that, again, starred Wendy O. Williams, uh, Sybil Danning, who I believe was 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 uh, famous for other things, Linda Carroll, a lot of, a lot of great people were in this movie. Here's the, the song from that movie featuring Wendy O. Williams on vocals.
What you just heard was Reform School Girls, the song, and uh, so many great, great heavy metal soundtracks and stuff, and so much great heavy metal DVDs and concerts. You know what I watched last night, John? The Judas Priest 1982 concert. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that on your Facebook post. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so good. I'm going to pull up my Facebook page. But heavy metal and movies have just gone together. I mean, even Randy Blythe from Lamb of God starred in a movie called The Graves. Rob wow. Zombie has done movies. You know, there's so much crossover between heavy metal music, mm-hmm. horror imagery, and and movies. So let's uh, let, me, let yeah. me just go to the Facebook page. What's that, John? Okay, I wanted to mention that Paul Stanley apparently was in some movie scene that is possibly on YouTube somewhere back in the maybe early 80s. Oh, yeah? And, uh, but I don't think it – I think it was cut from the movie or or something. And it, But it was about, like, hospitals or patients. And uh, uh, all the uh, really diehard KISS fans will know exactly what I'm talking about. But I just wanted to throw in that Talking Metal is aware that Paul Stanley uh, probably did some kind of movie scene back in the – what I would think would be the early 80s. Right on. But I don't think it ever really saw the light of day, but maybe it is available online at this point. So not sure exactly. Hey, I might be a KISS fanatic and nut, but um, I I actually do not know every KISS fact. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to say that. Yeah, no worries. Still like the band. Last night on Facebook I posted, Judas Priest in the early 80s was untouchable. I'm currently watching a DVD concert from Tennessee in 1982. It used to be released on VHS. It is so good. You can buy it on DVD now, too. And it's just so nice to see Priest in their prime. And I love, like, all the old analog editing effects and stuff that go into it. Some of the comments I got on Facebook, Chris said Memphis. Yes, Chris, it was Memphis where they recorded that. Dan said they were so loud in 1978 I couldn't hear for a week. Uh, cool, Dan. That's awesome that you saw him that that far back. Lisa said I was a fan. Brendan Kelly said, Mark, I really do believe that next to Live After Death, that video of Priest from Memphis 1982 is the ultimate statement of heavy metal. I rented that on VHS from my local video store back in 1985 when I was nine. Wow. And I was just getting into metal. Wow. Brendan, absolutely. Rick Shaw says the era was Halford's peak of prowess. Bill Wang checking in, Don, Eric. Wow. Lots of great comments, guys. Thanks for staying in touch with us on Facebook. We recently had a poll, Iron Maiden versus Metallica. We found out who the Talking Metal listeners like the best, and the winner was Iron Maiden. Very cool. Hey, uh, speaking of Facebook, this is a two-second story. I put some stuff up last week about a great restaurant, uh, two great restaurants in Johnstown, Pennsylvania called Press Bistro. One of them is called the Press Bistro Press Craft House and one's just Press Bistro. But the, and, and they're great, so everybody check that out if you're in Pennsylvania. But the funny thing is the, this, these posts had nothing to do with Kiss and there was like one really good friend of mine on Facebook who um, wrote the first comment was like, we want Ace or something. It was nice. I just thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. Because the whole thing's about a restaurant and the first comment is like, where's Ace? We want Ace. Yeah. I got it. Well, I got an email that said the Talking Metal podcast website and Facebook page have turned into an Ace Fraley news site. Please stop with the Ace. Oh, jeez. Dude, you got the wrong show, man. 
Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for your constructive criticism. And <laughs> yeah. uh, no, seriously. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like with me, that's that's such a major part of my life. So I just because that's my job and and uh, going from a fan to working with A's and then writing books and songs and this, that, and the other thing. I'm just telling you guys what's been happening, you know, so I, yeah. I hope well, it's not only you because like every time I see an ace article or something in the news, I retweet it or I post it on Facebook. So you're, you're not you're not the, the, the only guilty party it, here, right. John. But on that note, my kids are kind of starting to freak out they in are. the background. So let's wrap this up. We're going to play a song called Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. This is the Bruce Dickinson version of the song, not to be confused with the later re-recorded Iron Maiden version of the song. And this Bruce Dickinson version of the song appeared on Nightmare on Elm Street. Part five, the soundtrack to that, uh, with a soundtrack that also included Wasp. Then following that song, we will hear my interview with Mike McBeardo, McPadden. And again, pick up his book, Heavy Metal Movies. We will have it linked through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. After the interview, we will end with a little Lamb of God a song called 11th Hour, which was part of the Freddy versus Jason soundtrack. Of course, these are all movies you can read about in Mike's book, Heavy Metal Movies. Let's do it. Here we go. Little Bruce Dickinson, followed by the interview, followed by Lamb of God. Honey, it's getting close to midnight. And all the myths are still in town. True love and lipstick on your lips.
Hey guys, this is Mark from Talking Metal, and on the line we have Mike McBeardo McPatton. Mike, how are you? Uh, terrific, terrific. It's a gloomy day here in Chicago, and uh, just rocking and rolling. Okay, so Chicago, interesting. So I I read your intro to the book. I bought the book Heavy Metal Movies uh, through Bazillion Points uh, Publishing website, which we'll have linked through today's show notes. And in the intro to the book, you write a lot of interesting stuff about your, um, I guess, uh, teenage years and even before preteen years and heavy metal and movies, of course. And it takes place mostly in the New York City and New Jersey area. You're in Chicago today. Are you traveling there or do you now live there? Uh, I've lived here since 2003. Uh, I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, New York, in uh, Flatbush, and uh, I spent the summers on the Jersey Shore at my grandmother's house in a scenic little bayside town called Keensburg. And uh, I moved here in 2003 to work as the head writer at a website called Mr. Skin. Sure. And um, I have... Uh, been on my own since uh, July 28th. So it was 11 good years at Mr. Skin, and now it's uh, two fabulous months at McBeardo Enterprises here. Skin, <laughs> of course, I was introduced to that site through uh, the great Howard Stern. He used yes. to talk about yes. it a lot. So let's, let's uh, start with the book. It is a book that lists just hundreds, if not, what, thousands of, of movies. And it's you have... You have Sorry, 850 total made the final cut. Wow, wow, okay. And it the title of the book is Heavy Metal Movies. What makes a heavy metal movie? And you go into this into the book, but for the listeners who may have not yet picked up the book, let's talk about some of the things you look for to classify something as a heavy metal movie. Sure, okay. It's uh, there. There are levels and layers, so... The top level is very obvious stuff, which is concert films, documentaries. So Anvil, the story of Anvil, The Decline of Western Civilization, Part 2, uh, Led Zeppelin's um, Song Remains the Same. So, I mean, you know, obvious stuff. Done. Boom. The next is movies where heavy metal, the music, is a central part of the story, or essentially what the movie's about. And that would be, um, this is Spinal Tap, Airheads. Uh, things like that. Then there are heavy metal loving characters like Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World, Bill and Ted from their excellent adventure movies, and so on. You keep going down that way. Um, so where there is an actual physical remnant of heavy metal music in the film itself to the point where you get more conceptual. And that's where the real fun is for me. That's when you just kind of know it when you see it. And that's when a movie embodies or furthers or contributes to or is shaped by heavy metal culture, aesthetics, ideas, and that's stuff like uh, Conan and the Barbarian, Mad Max, any kind of sword and sorcery, any kind of post-nuke dystopia, Italian cannibal movies. And a lot of heavy metal bands make this easy by naming their songs after the titles of these films. Right on, right on. So... When did you actually, I know you've been watching these movies since you were a kid, but when did you actually start writing them down, writing notes and little mini reviews and blurbs about the movie? Oh, what, a, what a cool question. Uh, I would say I started at age 13, and I used to just carry a notebook around and write little weird, funny stuff in it to myself. 
And I caught the movie Lamora, the Lady Dracula, as it was called um, in this uh, broadcast on Channel 9 in New York in 1982. I was 13. And I just kind of did a stream of consciousness review that I recently found. My mother sold her house and found this notebook. So I'm going to be putting that online. That's the first movie review I ever wrote. It's pretty funny. Um, it's pr- it's really not that far removed from what I ended up with, where I ended up as a film reviewer today. And um, it's great gothic, uh, southern, backwoods, uh, lesbian-tinged vampire movie about the seduction of this church-going girl by this uh, woman vampire that lives in the woods with these zombie children. Cool. Cool. And you also did a fanzine for a while, right? Um, yeah. Um, off and on for 10 years, I did a fanzine called Happy Land. And, and were uh, any of the reviews or blurbs that you wrote for, for that zine, did they end up in the heavy metal movies book? Uh, no, no. I mean, some of the movies that I reviewed at the time definitely did. But Happy Land was uh, a work of madness. Um it was about uh, – I, I had a five-alarm drug and alcohol problem uh, throughout the 90s. And right. uh, a lot of that was but, – but, but I, and I was able to write, uh, I guess, some pretty funny and entertaining stuff about it because people kept paying me to do it. And a lot of Happy Land was about those days, and it was about partying um, in movie theaters on 42nd Street and in Times Square and at bars where the uh, various professional ladies worked at in the area. And um, – Really, you know, writing these crazy, over-the-top, uh, purposefully offensive reviews. And um, so, yes, we cover some of the same movies, but the tone is uh, definitely altered for the heavy metal movies audience. Cool. And, and where can people get in touch with you online? Oh, I'm all over online. Uh, best place is uh, on Twitter. I'm just at McBeardo. Or on Facebook, it's slash, uh, you know, it's Facebook.com slash McBeardo. Uh, you can send me an email at Mike McPadden, one word, at gmail.com. Cool. Well, we will definitely link those through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Let's talk about movies now. The let's, let's pick your brain. What are some of the best occult movies? Uh, what comes to mind immediately when I hear the word occult is a film called Simon King of the Witches. Uh, which is a British movie from the early 70s, and it's extremely psychedelic. It's about a warlock, like kind of a a very elegant hippie era, but but actually teetering over into the glam era, a uh, warlock who lives in a sewer in London. And uh, he goes up and he parties, and there's all kinds of crazy, trippy visuals, and he conducts uh, bizarre rituals, and there's a lot of... Like, as I said, psychedelic, it really is the word for this. A lot of satanic, psychedelic visuals and just kind of mind-blowing. This. That's from uh, 1971. Wow. Wow. That immediately comes to mind. That's my favorite off the top of my head. Right. Cool. Well, let's – I'm sure there's others, but let's hit some of these other topics because uh, I want to pick your brain on some of them, like headbanging, headbanger stories – uh, what comes to mind for me, and I'm not like a crazy movie guy. I'm more of like a, a headbanger guy. But of right. course, as a kid, I remember going to see Trick or Treat, and yeah. you know there was a Detroit Rock City, the movie. What what other headbanger stories, as far as movies go, do you recommend that maybe I wouldn't know that are maybe a little more off the beating path? Okay, there's a really good movie called uh, The Gate from 1987. 
that was actually a hit in its time and has sort of fallen through the cracks in the years since then. And it's about a couple of suburban kids who find a heavy metal record, play it backwards, and these little homunculi from hell come out of a hole in their backyard, and a giant hand pops out. It's a really cool kids' horror movie that works as, you know, entertainment for everybody, and definitely all wrapped up in heavy metal, and uh, there's a little, like, 14-year-old wannabe headbanger kid who's really funny. He's got battle vest and... And uh, it's a really good movie called The Gate. Cool. Nice. Nice. Metal soundtracks. What are some of your favorite metal soundtracks? And what are the movies that go along with those uh, soundtracks? Um, you know, I, I always try to go off the top of my head. And I recently wrote an article online about, like, my favorite heavy metal theme songs. And I tell you, that Spinal Tap soundtrack, the reason that movie works is because those guys are really convincing metal musicians right yeah the songs are great i mean obviously they're very funny but they played with such conviction they pull them off and i mean it's always been my favorite comedy it's always been one of my favorite albums that i'll throw on you know regularly throughout any given year right on what did you think of that movie a few years back i think it was a repo uh what was it called? Uh, repo the uh, genetic opera yes what was I, your what was your feeling on that you know i it's interesting because you know, I'm now 46. I was probably like 42 when I saw that or something. And um, I watched this. I was like, okay, this isn't for me, but I'm very impressed by this. Uh, it's really an ambitious undertaking and I think really well-mounted. And it's for kids. I mean, it's for – I saw it at a midnight screening here in Chicago that was sold out, packed wow. with teenagers who were screaming and singing along with it. And, I mean, it's super gory which surprised me and um, really well done. I mean, the music is not my thing and it's a little goofy for me and, and overly serious the way only a teenager could really buy into. But I think that really makes it work. So I, I assess that as a good movie uh, that I won't watch twice. <laughs> right, right on. Cool. How about concert performances? This is something I actually spend a lot of time watching, you know, getting the DVDs, whether it's ACDC, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Led Zeppelin stuff. I, I just love watching concert performances. Tell us some of your favorite concert films. Off the, okay. Uh, Black and Blue from 1980, uh, 81 rather. Um, it was shot at Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. I remember those shows. It was Black Sabbath and Blue Oyster Cult. It was the deal right. with oh. Black Sabbath. Uh, now, I've read about that movie, but it's it's is it released? Is it or is it like super hard to find? Super yeah. hard to find. Uh, it used to be Dio ever- era. Dio. It was Dio, right? Yeah, it was eighty one. So it was Dio. It was Heaven and Hell, uh, Mob Rules era, and it, it it's now super hard to find. Uh, somebody sent it to me. Sent me a file. Uh, I just asked on the line. This is part of what what went into. The book, I ended up writing like 1,100 reviews, uh, and we had to cut 300 of them. So, um, but throughout it all, I'd think of a movie, if I couldn't find it, I'd just go to the internet and say, anybody can help me out here, I'll uh, send you a copy of the book. And somebody did send me a file of black and blue with Japanese subtitles. Wow, cool, cool. And what's cool about it is that... um, they, they, sw- the movie, like, I guess in an attempt to make it, like, more like a movie, 
it switches off. Uh, band, so it's like Sabbath does a song, Blue the Cult does a song. Sabbath does a song, BOC does a song. It's kind of clunky, but it ends up making it unique and really memorable. Wow, cool. Good stuff. How about, we'll jump ahead a little bit here. How about metal musicians acting? Uh, it, you know, Alice Coper's my man. Uh, I interviewed him for the book. Uh, he was awesome. He talks about, I just, for the interview, I just uh, threw titles at him because he's been in so many movies. And to me, one of the great horror performances of the 1980s is Alice Cooper in Prince of Darkness. Okay. He doesn't say a word. He just uses his eyes. He plays a homeless man standing outside a church uh, where the essence of Satan has been captured in a bottle in the basement. And he's just possessed and driven to stand there. He either wants to get in there or he's trying to protect it. You don't know. He is completely terrifying. Just using his eyes. Uh, he does at one point shove a bicycle through somebody's chest. So there is that. He, does, he uses his hands at that point, but he never says anything. How about Gene Simmons as an actor, a guy who's done a handful of films? What are, you, what are your thoughts on Gene Simmons as an acting? Gene Simmons is gloriously terrible as an actor. I'm a huge Kiss fan. Right. I'm a fan of Gene's. Um, and, and he's sort of an anti-actor, but it works, uh, be it in – Runaway with Tom Selleck, where he, he does have some scary moments as the villain, or um, a crazy, crazy movie called Never Too Young to Die with John Stamos and Vanity. It's kind of this wild mid-80s uh, espionage thriller, and he's also the bad guy. And at the end, he reveals that he's the bad girl. He, right, uh, right, right, right. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. And, of course, Kiss, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, which uh, I have on a hoodie, uh, I had to post that on, uh, on a hoodie that I wear every day. So I love, I love kiss. Uh, you know, I, I tell them, you know, don't quit your night job. G. Right. right on. What, what are some of your favorite films that involve demonic possession? Oh, demonic possession. Um, there's a movie called demons from 1985, an Italian film that is really wild, really over the top. And it's about people going to see a horror movie. The audience sees this movie. They get possessed by demons in the film that come out of the screen. Um, the spirits come out of the screen and possess the audience. And the audience then tears each other apart for an hour and a half, along with anybody else who tries to get inside the theater. Has an amazing uh, heavy metal soundtrack uh, and a bravura segment where the hero grabs a sword because there's like this weird display of with a sword in it in the lobby of the theater, gets on a motorcycle and rides up and down the aisles of the theater, slashing these demons to bits. Wow. Uh, to fast as a shark by accept. Oh, nice. Nice. Cool stuff. And as, as far as bands go, you know, uh, you mentioned Kiss and, and right. what are some of your other favorite bands growing up? Uh, grow. Okay. Um, I, you know, I grew up in New York, the Ramones, big time, always there, always around. Uh, great window into the world of hard rock beyond what was just on the radio. Uh, but, you know, in terms of my first exposure, it's like, you know, Kiss, Van Halen, Cheap Trick, um, that kind of stuff. And then, like I said, Ramones, you go a level deeper, and then ACDC, a level deeper. And then, uh, you know, I went to Catholic school for 12 years, so I was terrified of Black Sabbath. 
which made me want to listen to them all the more, but I would only do it in small doses because I was so scared. And um, there was one point where they used to have these laser shows at the Hayden Planetarium. Okay, yeah. I think I was like 13. And I had seen Pink Floyd. I had seen Rush, um, Zeppelin they did. And then they did Laser Sabbath. And I was just too scared to go. I thought that would be too much. So (laughs) a great regret. So those hard rock bands, uh, Ted Nugent, I, I always loved. Um, you know, your, your standard 70s hard rock. I got into punk, uh, you know, as a teen, um, but always loved metal too. Always loved, uh, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden at the same time. And then, uh, my way back into metal hardcore from punk was, uh, through Metallica, like a lot of people. It was like, oh, finally, here we are. Somebody like said enough, enough with the wall that's dividing this stuff. Right on, right on. You mentioned in the intro to your book, um, seeing the Rocky Horror Picture show in New York City, and and you you write some cool stuff about that. And I encourage everybody to pick up the book and and read what you write about seeing that for the first time because it it is really a fun read. Um, But in, in there, you mention learning and memorizing all the lyrics to the Rocky Horror Picture Show by listening to a guy named Dr. Demento. And I remember Dr. Demento. I used to listen to him actually when I was growing up in the the Chicago area suburbs. And can you tell the the people out there who and what Dr. Demento was all about? Because I think he was such an important character in, in so many of our lives when we were at that real impressionable age. And I don't think many people under 35 know who the guy was. Yeah. Isn't that a shame? And like, he doesn't seem to have translated to the uh, internet, Um, even though he's still around. And, um, you know, I know there is a documentary in progress about him, but uh, so Dr. Demento was a, the host of a syndicated radio show was an hour. It played on WPIX in New York. What station was it on in Chicago? Uh, I, you know what, I, I I feel like it was on the Loop FM, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not 100% about, about that. Loop or, or XRT, probably the Loop. Uh, PIX for a brief uh, time in the early 80s was the New Wave station. Um, they played Dr. Demento. And uh, he, he had a crazy voice, and he would play novelty records. He discovered Weird Al Yankovic, whose first record was uh, Another One Rides the Bus, a parody of Another One Bites the Dust. But he'd play ancient, like, 78s from, like, the early 1900s all the way up to Rocky Horror and whatever, uh, you know, Frank Zappa, um, British comedy records from the 50s and 60s, an amazing variety of things. Uh, As long as it was funny, weird, unusual, and uh, he did the Funny Five each week where audiences, uh, the audience wrote in their favor, their requests, and the Rocky Horror audience really, really pushed uh, their agenda on the Funny Five. So right. for at least a year, it was they really dominated with Sweet Transvestite, the Time Warp, um, and other songs from the soundtrack. Um, I think you know he was a uh, I think it was Barry Hansen, and I think he taught jazz or like. Uh, and, oh really? Oh. Yeah, high highbrow music theory at, at UCLA, and then as yeah. Dr. Demento, he put on this top hat and uh, red bow tie. <laughs> Yeah, and I would occasionally remember seeing him on TV somewhere or another, but mostly what I what I would listen to him on, I believe it was Sunday nights he would yeah. be on in the, in Sunday the Chicago nights. suburbs. Yeah, yeah, like 11 o'clock Sunday nights, I'd stay up. 
Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Anyways, we encourage everyone to check you out online. We will have links up in today's show notes. And the book, again, is Heavy Metal Movies. It's a massive book. It has so much fun stuff in there. Um, I'm actually about to enter... Uh, I'm actually about to interview Phil Anselmo, and I was wondering if you're oh, aware of the the festival he does and uh, and what he's up to with the, that whole thing. Well, if I may toot my own horn, I will be a special guest at the upcoming Housecore Horror Film Festival. Great, cool, cool. Weeks. Yeah, I uh, will have a booth there, and I'm going to be introducing a couple of movies. And we haven't nailed down the exact titles yet, but I'm pretty excited. They're two very prominent. Headbanger horror films from the eighties, and uh, I know a lot about them, and I'm hoping to learn more when to, when, when I introduce them and talk to people uh, cool. when we show them um, on 35 millimeter. And nice, yeah, nice, can't wait. Austin's great. Uh, the festival is a dream come true for me. Um, to be asked is beyond a dream come true, and um, you know Phil is just the best. I was always a Phil Anselmo fan. You know, liked Pantera, loved Down. Uh, in the course of writing this book, I like fell in love with him because his name kept coming up. He's so knowledgeable. He's so deeply passionate about movies as much and, as music. And when you I, say I, his I, name I, kept coming up, just from people you were talking to or connected to the movies themselves, researching movies, um, just just looking online, I would always find you know Phil Anselmo had this to say about this 1930s black and white suspense film. You know, Phil Anselmo has, you know, praised the incredible volcanic bloodletting of this scene in this 1973 English witch movie. Uh, and I have a quote from him. And, uh, you know, he's just the best. He's just he's just so great. Well, cool. It sounds like it's going to be a fun festival. And we definitely encourage Talking Metal listeners to seek you out while they're there. Mike. McPadden, and again, yeah, I'm a big guy with a beard and a black T-shirt. You think it'll be hard to find me? (laughs) (laughs) Cool, Mike. It's been great talking to you, and uh, we we would love to have you back someday to talk more about heavy metal movies. Great, thank you so much, Mark. Oh,